Oh my. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Sally A. from South Jersey, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, June 2nd, 2016. Today we are reading from the AA Big Book, and we will begin reading on page 66, the third paragraph, where it says, we turn back to the list for it held through two paragraphs. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Amanda R., the 12 traditions, Lisa, L-E-S-A-B, and our readers of the text will be Elaine B., Rachel N.M., and Kathy K. The reference number for Wednesday, June 1st, is 8792. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Amanda R. to read the 12 steps. And before you begin, Amanda, Amanda R. is the only one who should be unmuted. If anyone else is unmuted, please mute your phones before we get started so we can hear the steps clearly. Amanda R. Good morning. This is Amanda R. I am a recovering compulsive eater in Maine. And, oh, I am so sorry. (laughs) Out and about. And then, there we go. There, I found the steps. All right, the 12 steps of OA. One, we admitted we are powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves would restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, it passed. Thank you, Amanda R. And I will now ask Lisa B, L-E-S-A-B, to read the 12 traditions for us. Good morning. Thank you. This is Lisa B, a recovered compulsive overeater in South Carolina. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa B., or how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one. To unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. Somebody should do that now. <laughs> I hear a lot of noise, and it would be great if whoever's in the kitchen uh, would go ahead and press star one to mute your phone in order to have a quiet meeting. Everyone's phone except the speakers 
should be muted. Today we will resume our study of the AA Big Book on page 66, the third paragraph beginning with, we turn back to the list. And uh, we're reading this just for context, this first paragraph. We turn back to the list where it held the key to the future. And we'll read two paragraphs ending with, I will be done, the first paragraph for context. Please focus your shares on the second paragraph only, which is at the very bottom of page 66 and, and goes on to the top of 67. And I will now ask Elaine B. to begin reading. Good morning, Elaine. Hey. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, everybody. This is Elaine B. Recovered in Massachusetts. This was our course. We real. Oh, wait a minute. We turned back to the list for it held the key to the future. We were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. How could I escape? How could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered. But how? We could not wish them away any more than alcohol. This was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, they, like us, were sick too. We asked God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended, we said to ourselves, this is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God, save me from being angry. Thy will be done. So, again, this is, you know, the key to our future. So we're going to completely turn. This was our course. This is our path. This is the action that people who want recovery and want to continue to live in recovery, to keep away from the insanity of the alcohol and go go through this door to a new future, must take. Um, we realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Again, this is fancy to real. The people who wronged me, oh my gosh, I had the hugest resentment against thin, blonde people who had everything and wanted more. <laughs> Talk about fancy or real. Yeah, I can't live in the world with you. Um, I didn't like their symptoms and the way they disturbed me. So their symptoms... You know, blonde, successful, thin, <laughs> those disturbed me. I couldn't get along in the world with them. A symptom is a physical or mental feature as indicated as an indicator of a condition or a disease. So um, I don't think that there's any human being in this world that as I got to know them um, didn't have something that disturbed me in some way. <laughs> you know, they may offend me by the way they talk or their accent or their, um, you know, whatever. Or they may yell at me and they may, you know, be really mean to me and misunderstanding to me or not give me my way or um, completely dissonant. There's so many ways that we can be offended. There's so many different ways, uh, you know, types of offenses 
that I had against the world. And as we talked about, we relive them, we rehearse them, we reseal them, we retell them, we relive them, we rehearse them. Now we're looking at a whole new way, and we're going to ask God to help us look at them in a different way. We're going to ask God to show us, to show them the same tolerance, pity, patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. I have a living example of this. My dad, who, you know, he, he, he just couldn't be there for me the way that I wanted him to. That was a symptom. That's what disturbed me. Now he has Alzheimer's and, you know, he's a very different uh, person. And I can look at him in a completely different way. I have a living example of this, and he's a delightful man. And all I want to do is be helpful. But I need to apply this to everybody because I have a new charge. I have a new course. I want to be able to be helpful to this person, and I want to get myself in alignment with the power greater than myself, see how I can be helpful, how I can accept them. I need help with that. I need to ask God for that. I need to utterly abandon my reaction to this person (laughs) and ask God to show me a new way. And this is an essential thing for me to get my eyes off of them and onto myself so I can do the work and change the things I have power to change. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Maureen M. Larry. Yes. Sarah W. Sarah W. Melissa C. Melissa C. Oh. Hi, Vasa. Good morning. Bossa morning. O. Okay. Here's what I've got. I've got... Edie Lori. and me. Hi, Edie Okay, I've got you on the list here, too. Uh, Lori, I think it was Lori. Forgive me if I didn't say that right. It sounded a little bit... Maureen M. Laureen M. Okay, you're going to be first. Larry... Then Tina S, then Sarah W, then Melissa C, then Vasa O, then Irini. Is there anyone else? Okay, lovely. Let's go ahead and get started. Loreen M, and then Larry, you'll be up next. Good morning, visionaries. My name is Maureen, and I'm a recovering compulsive over ear, and uh, grateful to be here, and thank you for your service. Um, The word that pops out at me here is perhaps. And, you know, what it does for me is it shows me that maybe there is another way. Um, Maybe there are things that I don't know. Um, And I think this is the beginning of humility for me and a reliance totally on a power greater than myself. to to change me, um, you know, to ask God to help us show the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. Whether they're sick or not, I don't know. And that's the piece that I love is the fact that I don't know. And what I, in my own recovery, needed to accept was that there are many, many things that I don't know. And acceptance, the acceptance prayer, of course, comes in and helping me realize that there's so much I don't know. I remember someone giving me me the analogy of trying to see the 
26-room mansion through uh, my limited vision of a keyhole. I don't know what other people's motives are. Hell, I don't even know what mine are sometimes. Um, But a short prayer for me is to bless them and heal me. And all all of that is, is humble to me. And it's it's the asking God to save me from being angry. And my will um, is not going to work. And thy will be done. And that's it. You know, the prayers on page, uh, pages 67 and 552, I mean, they're beautiful and they work. And I'm so grateful to still be in this program and still be happy and to have my my sponsor and all of you here. Lots of love to all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Lorraine M. And Larry, you're up. And Tina S., you'll be up next. Larry? Good morning, Sally. Thanks for your service. Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Reader. It talks about, you know, um, how we can be or this is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God, save me from being angry. Thy will be done. You know, I, I think, you know, for me, the one thing that became clear in, in looking at my resentments in step four, you know, that, uh, you know, this anger deal was not, was very, very self-destructive. It was extremely self-destructive because every time I embarked on a journey of, of getting revenge, I was digging two graves. I might have been, you know, I might have thought I was digging your grave, but I was also digging mine. And and perhaps I was getting Mm -hmm. even for some injustice that you did to me. But, you know, let's be clear. I was also digging my own grave with a spoon, a knife, and a fork. And, you know, maybe I thought that this revenge against others, you know, this anger, you know, for some injustice would, you know, maybe I thought it would ensure that, that, that you wouldn't hurt me in the future. But I continued to get hurt. And, and maybe I believe that if the, other, you know, if the other party suffers, then I'll feel better. You know, that my emotional pain will, will lessen as a result. But, but that wasn't true either. You know, actually, revenge and anger made me feel worse. And, you know, and research supports this too. Revenge actually increases anger. And it, it also ensures that we'll stay angry by ruminating about it. Um, so, you know, now, you know, it's this, this process of change is, um, is getting me to a place where it's just starting. It's just starting. The door's opening here where I can look at someone else, no matter what their behavior is, I can look at them as, as perhaps a sick person. You know, not, not from a high perch where I'm looking down at them. No, that, that's not how this program's changed me. So I don't look at someone like, oh, that poor, sick, unfortunate person. You know, look at me up here. No, just as another human being that has character flaws, just like I have character flaws. My character flaws have changed, but, they, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't uh, placed me in a position where I see myself as better than. No, it's actually kind of been an evening out process, really. And so I can look at someone else today and I could say, boy, I remember, you know, what that was like. That, that's a tough position to be in. That hurts. That person's hurting, you know. And God came to me through my wounds. 
and may, may, maybe a higher power will come to that person through their wounds as well. So um, grateful, grateful for this process. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry. Tina, you're up, and Sarah W., you'll be up next. Thanks, Sally, for your service. Uh, Tina is compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. And wow, you know, I heard some really great shares. And, uh, you know, I, I remember when I first started doing this stuff, I, it, you know, one of the f- big things that I really love about the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says this was our course. You know, it gives us direction. It gives us, in, gives us instruction. And, you know, because I fly in blind, so I needed some of this stuff. And, uh, you know, a sponsor was telling me after the third column of what, you know, my resentments affect that I'm to pray for these people, the four-step prayer, uh, for each one until I meant it. You know, and initially, I love what Larry said, because initially I was like, yeah, they're sick. For sure, they're sick. That was the way I thought initially. You know, thank you, God, that I don't think that way today. You know, I was self-righteous, and I was, uh, you know, all about it was all their stuff and not mine. And, you know, uh, the good news today is I don't feel that way. And it was through the process because when I was just first here, that was not, the process was not done. Let me just tell you, it was just beginning. And, um, and you know, today I, I love this, this prayer because it tells me, you know, God saved me from being angry. How can I be helpful? And then I get to that place of some kind of compassion and really seeing that perhaps they're spiritually sick. And then it says, like me, I always skip that word, like me. I always thought, yeah, they're spiritually sick. But it says, like me. So then I can, you know, really have some empathy and, and really just say, you know, okay, God, you know, change me. Bless them, change me. And and through the process, I have the opportunity because, again, if it was all about them, I'm screwed. So it has to be about me. And um, great stuff. So with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina. Sarah W., it's your turn. And Melissa, you'll be up next. Melissa C. Good morning, Sally. This is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Good morning, my family of choice. <clears throat> Um, I made up my mind this morning that I was going to share about the fourth step and about um, uh, my feelings about um, where I'm at today. So tomorrow I'll have um, a partial mastectomy. And um, what I realized is that why I'm going through that um, surgery is so that I can remove cancer. And I started getting very afraid. And um, what came to me is that in the fourth step, um, I have to remove, it's, it's part of the process of the removal of things that are no longer helpful for me to be of service to God and others. And so is the same thing with um my surgery and radiation that I'll go through and if I end up having to go through chemo. And um, the reason I say this is because um, anything that I've ever gone through in life has been used by my higher power to help others. And as was stated by so many people before me, um, there is a humility in this, uh, this whole process. I'm asking God to help. I'm asking God to help. This whole book is about asking God to help. But it also requires that I take action to get to the place where I need to be. 
And if I want to be a healthy person in life and be of service, I have to go through things that are uncomfortable. And addiction for me is all about never wanting to feel uncomfortable. Um, I noticed myself uh, yesterday, uh, day before yesterday, having some issues with my food. And I thought, what am I doing? And I'm very thankful that I didn't get into sugar or enormous amounts, but I realized that I was compulsively doing things with food. And I really had to stop and take a look at myself. And today what I can say is that food is not my solution, that working the steps and living this life, this beautiful design for living, is my solution. And so um, I ask you all for prayers for me, but I also ask you... um, well, well, I would say that I have prayers for you. And there are many people on this phone line that are sick. All of us are in some way or another. So I pray for you. And God bless you all. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah W. And Melissa C., it's your turn. And Vasa, you'll be up next. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C. Good morning, Sally. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I started listening and I, like, began to lose my, my train of thought. The shares this morning are so beautiful. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think what, what really comes to mind to me is that, um, you know, I can't nurse my anger and resentment. You know, I'm here. Because I'm sick, you know, I've, I've lost the ability to um, live life, you know, and I need I need this program of recovery. I need all of it, not just a food plan, not just the steps I like, but all of it. And the people um, in my life, I, yeah, the, the ones that anger me and annoy me generally are the ones that are closest to me. Those are the ones that I, I have to really... Um, live with this this um, anger. You know, I used to feel somehow that my anger and resentment could sort of protect me because then I could lower my expectations for you. You know, if you piss me off enough, um, then I'm going to hold on to all the ways that you hurt me before so that somehow I won't be vulnerable again. And that just doesn't make any sense. What it, what it does is it builds a wall between the people that I really love because those are the ones that um, seem to push my buttons the most. And, you know, and so when I say that they're, perhaps they're sick, yeah, like me. You know, there's no accident that we're in one another's lives. Um, My husband, my mother, my children, um, and that I'm meant to be useful to all of these people and holding on to anger, um, feelings of superiority, um, it blocks me off definitely from them, and then, of course, from my higher power. If I can't be connected to the people I love in my life, how can I possibly dream of a connection to something greater? And um, and so this morning, you know, yeah, like every other morning, people do things that aggravate me, but, um, you know, love and tolerance is my code. And thank you for that, Well, thank you, Melissa, C., for reminding us. 
Basa, oh, it's your turn. And Irini, you'll be up next. And then we're going to go to the next paragraph. We'll have Rachel and M come up next. So, yeah, Basa, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Sally, thank you for your service. And I'm grateful, recovered, compulsive over to calling from Foxboro, Massachusetts. I've been growing up in this program, you know, as I've been going along through the steps. Um, going through the fourth and the fifth step, I felt like I was having a surgery with no anesthesia. It was It was painful, but it was less painful, again, because I didn't have to run to the food to comfort me. So I had to feel my pain, my feelings, my emotions, whatever I was going through. And there were times I just wanted to crawl in bed and put the covers over my head and just make things, everything go away. But no, it, no, I needed to go through and just, uh, you know, just do it the way it was laid out. So making a decision, I, um, I'm exposed with all kinds of people in this world. I don't have control how they act or how they react. I, ha- I am responsible how... I behave and how I react. Um, yeah, going through the anger, going through the resentment. But, you know, I started showing love and tolerance for people in OA, you know, and because I could identify what they were going through. But then, you know, again, this was like an awakening for me. It was making decisions, you know. Uh, we realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps sick, spiritually sick, like me, I always thought they were sicker than I was, but I had to wear there there myself, even though I didn't think I was sick. Somehow, I thought the mentally, in, you know, you know, when we read how the program works, we are mentally. To, I thought I needed to be to be committed to a mental institution. Well, this is not the way, you know the way it is, you know, I just needed to work through my stuff, you know, and people have choices, you know, my loved ones, you know, whoever, they have a choice, you know, I chose to go this uh, road, this route, I didn't want to die with this food, but again, you know, I needed to be love and tolerance with the, in my own home, could be the father, the brothers, and husband, children, you know, and how can I be uh, a loving? I needed to show, be the bigger person, a better person. How can I be the more loving and patient person? And that really has worked, you know, and I'm not saying it's always working 100%, but it shows me that there are sick people like me, I am getting better, and, you know, just because I'm getting better, so hopefully they're getting better, too, because I'm not reacting, you know. Uh, I'm not pouting around, not talking to them for a day or two or three days. I can tell them how I feel, and then I can let it go. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And Irini, it's your turn, and Rachel and M, you'll be up next. Thank you. Thank you, Sally, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit to where credit is due. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. I was so undisciplined, you know, I was really chaotic to begin with, 
and then to have resentments on top of that, it was like a big bomb inside me, constantly ticking away, because I was constantly, constantly focusing on the past, or, or you know, even being worried for the future. And because of that, I became frozen in the present moment. And I would pass the beauty of the moment, pass all these opportunities for me to grow because I was a prisoner of my history or my future. And, um, and that would constantly haunt me. And I knew, I knew I had to be disciplined because I was so undisciplined. And I was always searching for answers. And I really wanted to join the Army because I really knew that they maybe can discipline me. But thank you, God, he had a plan for me to join his Army so I can march to his tune. And I'm so grateful for that. No more searching. Now I have the opportunity to change my internal world, to focus on my internal world, to clean my garbage out that has been polluting me my whole life because underneath that garbage is a gem that we all possess. And that is our true self, our true loving self. And that is the light of the spirit that wants to shine. That's why I was so irritable because it was wants to burst out to shine, but the garbage was there. It was blocking it. And that's the attraction. And just to be our true self. And how do we do this? We do this by going through the step. And we ask, thy will be done. I am asking for wisdom because I do not know. I want to do the right thing because I want my true self to come up, to come out and to live no more in my lies. So I am requesting, it's a simple prayer for what I needed to do right. I'm asking God to align my will with his will. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the doors will open. This all shouts out, Action, action, action. It's a process of doing to change the way I think, feel, and do. Thank you, God, that I have this program. What a gift. I take it very seriously. I cherish it. It's such an opportunity for all of us to become what we were meant to be, and that is happy, joyous, and free, peaceful, internally and loving. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Adini. And Rachel and M, will you read for us the next paragraph? Good morning, Sally. This is Rachel and M. Can you hear me okay? I can. I can hear you well. Great. This is Rachel and M. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater and anorexic from Ohio. We avoid retaliation or argument. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. We cannot be helpful to all people, but at least God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. Well, this 
this paragraph is is a furtheration of the last paragraph, and it um, is still all about humility. Why do we want to be helpful to others? Because we've been helped. I've been helped. I don't want to forget that I am the one with the eating disorder. When people irritate me or, um, you know, why do I want to be angry or retaliate? I see in myself that that's a pride, and I don't realize that I've also hurt others. Um, So, and also, I really like it that it says we cannot be helpful to all people, but God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one, and that helps me remember to be humble again, that I, even though I have things to help other people now that I've been through the 12 steps, I still can't be helpful to everyone, but my job is to be kindly and tolerant, and if I can be helpful, to do my best. That's all I have to share. I pass. Thank you, Rachel. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Hi, Nancy. Penny K. Okay, Penny, I've got you, but there was someone right before you. Is it Nancy R.? That's right. Okay. Was there anyone else? Suji. Hi, Suji. Okay. Hi, Renata. Renata. Anyone else? Okay, you guys are going so easy on me today. Let's start with you, Nancy. Nancy, what's the first initial of your last name? R. Nancy R. Okay, Nancy R. And Penny, you'll be up next. Good morning. I'm Nancy R. A grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And uh, I would be remiss if I did not express the gratitude I have uh, for the clarity and the way of life this program has given me. I had an issue that was ongoing for years, even in program, um, that I just could, I just was really unable to uh, forgive the person for the harm they had done. Numerous fourth steps, even therapy around this one individual. And something clicked when I heard or read the statement uh, that the person was sick, and that gave me uh, so much relief. That gave me relief that the therapist, the therapist uh, uh, worked with me intently but was unable to get me to uh, reconcile the fact that this was not an evil person but indeed a sick person. But something clicked uh, in program, and I was able to see that uh, anybody capable of doing that deeds that this individual had done, indeed was sick. But it took some years later for me to recognize that that I, too, I mean, the true depth and weight of that uh, sentence, I, they, too, like us. And it dawned on me, you know, you were pretty sick because other people just walked away and spared themselves the misery that you endured for seven years by standing and, and wanting to fight and not give up where those who were emotionally healthy just walked away. So uh, it was an eye-opener, something that years of therapy could not get me to understand. The power and brilliance of this program helps me to continue to grow uh, as I never would have 
uh, aside from the other benefits of this wonderful fellowship. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you for sharing. And Penny, you're up. Hi, good morning, everybody. My name is Penny Kay. Um, well, um, the idea that to avoid retaliation or argument, um, that, that that is really tough because my first inclination, if somebody is offending me and I'm going to go to them because I have to clean off my side of the street, um, I, I just get all of my hackles go up and I get all sorts of self-defensive and, you know, I want, I, I want them to be wrong. And the idea of just looking at somebody else and saying, you know something, we all come with baggage. We all come with our own stuff. And it reminds me of, of the passage in here that we put ourselves into a position where we're going to get stepped on or we're going to get kicked or something like that. It's, it's not a direct quote, but it's, that that's sort of the theme of it. And if if I want to be accepted as somebody that has issues, somebody that carries baggage, somebody who responds, somebody who's got buttons that get pushed, I have to be willing to look at other people and say, you know something? They've got issues too. And maybe this is a case of our issues colliding. And as this is this is the this passage for me reflects perfection and I'm not there yet and I'm grateful that I recognize that I'm not at this place of perfection where I wouldn't treat sick people that way and they're right but I you know I'm a compulsive eater and that's kind of what I do except within working this step and within reading this paragraph my higher power is going to show me how I can approach somebody who I know is has spiritual issues, has the spiritual baggage that they're carrying around, has the spiritual schmutz, technical term, that they're carrying around. And my higher power, if I ask my higher power to show me a different way to approach somebody like that, chances are my higher power is going to show me. So thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you. And Suji, it's your turn, and Renata, you'll be up next. Good morning on this beautiful, sunshiny day. My name is Suji from Michigan, around the Detroit area. I've been hearing a couple others from Detroit. Welcome to you. Um, You know, I... We avoid we avoid retaliation argument. That is so difficult for me still. Um, only with a couple people. With one, I've learned to keep my mouth shut. But with my husband, I still have not learned to always keep my mouth shut. I want to retaliate. Um, I find that when I want to retaliate or argue, it's usually because the person's either right and I don't like it, or because it goes back to my childhood where I've been corrected so much and um, people think they're helping me by correcting me. And it's just not um, its not the way it flies. So it doesn't fly for me to um, um, 
to try to correct other people. Why should I do to somebody else what I don't like done to myself, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you? And um, and I, I don't, for some reason, it just doesn't, it, it, it's not a good thing for someone to try to help me by arguing or, or retaliating and trying to show me, well, maybe you're wrong, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, and I'm going, no, I don't think so. I, you know, I talked to the doctor, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it certainly isn't going to help me to, to treat other people that way. And But I'd like at least, you know, at the bare minimum, at least, God can show us how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. Well, Lord, I'm still waiting to be shown how to how to um, be kindly and tolerant of my husband. You know, I've been I've been an Al-Anon, and I'm learning to tolerate. I'm ter- learning to accept, and it's not easy for me. It's just not easy, and I've been praying for it for so many years. And I think I've been praying. My problem that I find that once I've been into the big book and into, especially into Vision for You and having a sponsor that, that knows the big book well, is that I've, I've been doing it in a selfish way. That um, I think I'm trying to help somebody by by saying, well, you know, if you would, do you ever think that if you wouldn't do this to me, I wouldn't do this to you? Well, I wouldn't do that to a sick, not a really sick person. I wouldn't do that. So um, I'm grateful for this paragraph, and I'm grateful for all of you. And with that, I pass. Thanks for sharing. And Renata, it's your turn. Renata? What page, please? Uh, We are on the top of page 67. Renata, are you there? Okay, I'm going to just jump in here and take a moment, and um, hopefully Renata will rejoin us. Maybe she's having a phone problem. Um, I just would like to, uh, it's Sally A. in South Jersey, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And I want to take a look at these lines here on this paragraph. We avoid retaliation or argument. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. This is really an interesting uh, couple of words here. We wouldn't treat sick people that way. When I go into conversations with people that are really troubling to me, that I know in my heart um, that they are just difficult people, and, and in truth, when I find myself in a situation with, and I find myself in that position at, um, in my workplace often, what I do is I often think of that person as if they had, they were bald. They had a severe form of cancer. They're bald. They have a tourniquet on their, a, a, not a tourniquet, but a, um, like a, a scarf on their head hiding their baldness. That is the picture I have to put in my mind because it very quickly humbles me. It humbles me. It shuts my mouth. Look, consider who you're talking to, Sally. This person, whether or not they're, they're whipping around the office, whether they look like they are high energy or not, this person is not well. This person deserves to have you step back and pause, Sally, and consider who you're talking to. And this is the thing is that we're in the past, I was so fixated on me, 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 me. I was so selfish in my perspective. 
that I didn't care what was going on in your life. I didn't care that you had a flat tire on your way to work. I didn't care that that somebody that you love might be laying in a hospital bed and you can't talk about it with me. I didn't care that you had a rough life or that or that you that you lost money someplace and that you're under pressures that I have no knowledge of. I didn't care. I just I just want what I want. I was so fixated on me, my own selfishness. But now what they're telling us is to get our eyes off of ourselves and we wouldn't treat sick people that way. They're telling us, look at this person. Look and remember, they don't have a program like I do, that this person is still sick in the many, many ways that I was a sick person. And we avoid retaliation or argument because it's not going to get us anywhere because the definition of sick of, of insane in the dictionary is unreasonable. Insane in the dictionary, it says unreasonable. So why would you try to reason with a person who is unreasonable? Therefore, when you look at these words, we wouldn't treat a sick person that way. Give that a little thought today. I'm going to be thinking about those words today. Thanks for letting me share. And Renata, are you back? Okay, we still have a few minutes here. Renata. Renata, there you are. And with Nessa, are you right right after Renata? Was there someone else? I think we have time for one more. All right, let's go with Renata Nessa and Nessa R. R. I've got you, Nessa R. Renata and then Nessa R. Thank you, Sally, for your service. I had problem unmuting. I had to call again. Good morning, family. Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. You know, uh, this paragraph, like I'm looking at it and I'm having lots of different ideas, um, but where it says, you know, retaliation and argument, that's that's my will. You know, that's how I wanted to handle things. That's, you know, I wanted to prove to the world that I was right. I wanted to to hang on to my resentments, you know, Um but then it says here that God will show us how to take a kindly and tolerant bill of each and every one. And, you know, the thoughts that came to me with this is, I think in AA 12 and 12, it says that the hoop we need to jump through is wider than we think, you know. Um, and that's what it says for me here, that God will do for me what I can't do for myself. You know, on my own, I'm finite. I cannot let go of the resentments. And that's, you know, the big book's so good that every time there is a step or something that is really difficult for me to face, uh, to get to on my own, I need to pray, you know. And there is a prayer. We just saw a prayer in the previous paragraph. And then I ask God in. I need to turn to my higher power in everything. That's what these steps are teaching me. You know, like when I look at my, when I looked at my resentment, you know, there were a lot of them that I thought, are you kidding me? You know, I, I, I need to resent this person. Like I can't let, just let it go. I mean, I can't do that. Yes, I could not. But with God's help, then, you know, anything is possible. And so, you know, I need to have the humility to go to my higher power and ask for help. The same way I cannot keep the food down for a minute on my own. I just, I can't. But if I go to my higher power and I ask for help, 
You know, then God will show me ways to get it done. God will do for me what I cannot do for myself. And so in each step, I see that relationship being built. You know, God, and then I start to trust God more and give more of me and my life and the steps, you know, start to unfold. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata. And Nessa R. Hi, good morning. Vision for you. My name is Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto. I'm so grateful to uh, be able to share. I thought I wasn't going to be able to. But um, why can't I? retaliate and argue? Why can't I tell um, anybody who would listen how right I am and how unfair things are and how badly I was treated? You know, there's plenty of people out there walking around angry and resentful and, you know, retaliating and arguing. So why can't I? Um, well, the answer is, is very simple because I am a compulsive overeater. I am an addict. And all these will drive me back into the food. No matter how recovered I am or how long I've been recovered, if I go back to, my, to that mindset, I will go back to the food. You know, I was one of those people who was in constant collision with everything and everyone. My approach to life was totally elbows out, just a bulldozer. And it didn't work. And, you know, the less it worked, the more I did it. And, of course, the less it worked. And I destroyed relationships, um, not to mention the fact that I destroyed many chances of being helpful. But I was miserable, and everybody else was miserable. So I know now that the grouch and the brainstorm are not for me, because for me, to eat is to die. You know, maybe not immediately, but slowly and painfully, um, you know, a slow, gradual, miserable death, um, and there's a much better alternative to the steps, to this process, which starts uh, of, of cleaning up, which starts with step four. I don't have to live that way anymore, and it's so much more pleasant to have peace of mind and serenity and joy than it is to have, um, to be right. I derive so much more pleasure out of helping others than out of being told, yes, you're right, poor you. Um, it's a much better way of life than I passed. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. And we've got just two more minutes. Would anyone else like to have a quick share? Anyone with a burning desire? Hi, Sally. It's Christy G. Good. Take it away, Chrissy G. Yeah, just really quickly, I just wanted to say that I'm dealing with the resentment with my parents. And it's so interesting because I'm 47 years old. I'm just newly divorced. And the thing is that what I was doing is I had my oh, marriage right out of my parents' house. That was just a psychodrama repeat of my parents' relationship with me. And I was trying to get this man to pay for all the things that I didn't get with my parents, that's not dealing with my resentment. And I was in recovery then, and I was very, very nice to my parents. had such good relationship with them throughout the years of my marriage. But boy, did I make that man pay for everything they didn't give me. So I just want to say that I'm dealing with it now. And it's not to deny my feelings, deny the hurt. That's not what this is about. It's to face it and to own it and to say that it's mine. It's not their pain. And, and to work through it between me and God and maybe therapy, and that's all I have. Thanks. 
Thank you, Chrissy G., and thank you, everyone who has shared this morning. I would like to invite you to please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I will ask Kathy Kay to read for us a vision for you, beginning with our book is meant to be suggestive only. Kathy? Thank you, Sally. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understood God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.